This morning I have a, a, a relatively simple word to bring you today. Are we set up for the PowerPoint? For, yeah, all right. We're continuing this morning a series that uh, we've been doing, and we're in our fourth week of a series on experiencing God, the seven realities. For those of you that perhaps um, have been around a while um, or have uh, browsed the Christian bookshelves, a couple of decades ago, a book came out by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. And in that book and in that uh, workbook, he outlines seven realities for experiencing God. And the Lord directed my heart that we would study those seven realities together here this summer. Now let me just pull back the lens for a moment and give you kind of a wide-angle picture because some of you are new to the congregation uh, with travels, some of you have been in and out, and so let me just give you a little bit of wide-angle context before we get into the specifics of what I believe the Lord has for us this morning. When you came in today, hopefully you received a bulletin from one of our ushers, and on the front of that bulletin, uh, there's a picture in it and, and some words, and it says, the year of outpouring 2008. And then when you sat down and you perhaps looked around the sanctuary and you looked up, you saw this beautiful banner up here that says 2008, a year of outpouring. Each year we have a theme for that year, sort of a prophetic theme that that helps give us direction as a house. And here at Bethel this year, our theme is a year of outpouring. His pouring into us and then His outpouring through us. But sort of an, in addition to that theme that we have for this year, for the last two and a half years, we have had a sort of a, a, a large prophetic word uh, that has been hanging over the house. And one of the folks who testified this morning made reference to that word. And that word is shift. And the word shift means to dislodge and reposition or to intensify and accelerate. If you're shifting something, you're moving it from one spot to another. Or if you're shifting in a car, you are moving into another gear. There's an intensification and an acceleration that happens. And for the last two and a half years, we as a congregation have been experiencing that dislodging and repositioning and that intensifying and acceleration. But that shifting is connected to that larger purposes that God is doing in us. Last year, our theme was the year of inheritance. And I read for you at the very beginning of the service out of Psalm 2. Ask of me and I will give the nations as an inheritance. This year, the year of outpouring. And the shifting is that the Lord would dislodge and reposition us and intensify and accelerate His work in us in order that we might be prepared to receive His outpour, to receive His inheritance and to release His outpouring. So the shifting is with a purpose. To receive the inheritance and to release the outpouring. Now over the last many months... We preached a series of messages that were entitled Strategic Shifts. And those, and and we looked at a number of different strategic shifts that the Lord was doing in us as a body to reposition us, 
to receive the inheritance and release the outpouring. But then a couple of months ago, or actually back in about April or May, the Lord spoke into my heart and He said, what I'm looking for from you, me personally, as well as from this body at this time, is something more than just strategic shifts. I am looking for radical shifts. Radical shift. And it's interesting, as I was hearing that from the Lord, I was reading something and I found something out that I've never known before, or at least if I knew it, I'd forgotten it. And that is that at its foundation, the meaning of the word radical means to return to the root. Now normally we think of radical as something completely different, never seen before. And yet, at the heart of it, the meaning of the word radical is a returning to the root. It has to do with foundations. And I was reminded of that scripture in Jeremiah 6.16, which is one of my favorite scriptures related to discernment, where the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask for the good way and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. It's that ancient pathway. It's that good way. That it's, it's the way of the Lord that He has prepared, that He is inviting us to walk on and into. So he's inviting us into a radical shift. He's working on the roots of our lives in order that we might be properly aligned with him so that he can send, so that we can have the nations with him as that inheritance. And so that the pouring out of his life through us is unimpeded by anything in us that would block his life from flowing through us. So he's looking for radical shift. So for the last several weeks, we've begun exploring this experiencing God, the seven realities, because the root of the root, (laughs) the most basic radical shift that he wants for all of us, is the shift into relationship with Him, experiencing God. The shift into true, eternal life. Now, I've talked about this a couple of times, but let me remind you again this morning. Eternal life is not something that begins after you die. Eternal life is not something that's for the sweet by and by. It's for the here and now. John chapter 17, verse 3. If you've never, take note of this one and read it and meditate on it. Now this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now that knowing Him is not simply knowing about Him. 
I know about a lot of people. You know about a lot of people. We read about a lot of people in the newspaper. There's lots of famous people that I know about, but I don't know them. I have no relationship with them. The radical root that he is calling us to is a knowledge not just about him, but the true knowledge of him. In Genesis, when it says Adam knew Eve, it was more than just knowing about her. He knew her intimately. And the invitation that He is giving to us in this season, in the here and now, is to know Him intimately. To have a depth of relationship with Him in our soul in our spirit to be with him remember he says come to me come after me and then he says come with me to be with him so here are the seven realities we've been looking at and if you're new and you or if you just haven't been here for some of this series you can always sign up for a cd in the back, or you can download it off of the website. But the first reality is this. God is always at work around you. Always. He is always at work around you. The second reality is that God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. The third reality, which we looked at last week, is that God invites you to become involved in His work. The fourth reality, which we're going to be looking at in depth this morning, is that God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal Himself, His purposes, and His ways. Now this is sort of the fulcrum point because... Up to this point, we've been talking about, and last week, he invites you to become involved with him in his work. But the fact of the matter is, is we need to discover what his work is. We need to be able to know what that is so that we can get involved with him. And so reality number four, which we're looking at today, is sort of the fulcrum point, which leads us now into the final three realities, which we'll be exploring over the next three Sundays, next week, reality number five, is that God's invitation for you to work with Him always leads you, always, say always, always always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. Always. Which leads to reality number six, is that you must make major adjustments, dare I say, shifts, in your life, To join God in what he's doing. Which leads to the seventh reality. Is that you come to know God by experience. As you obey him. And he accomplishes his work through you. That's what it means to know him. That's moving from pew potato. Into the playing field with God to being a co-laborer and a partner, an heir, a co-heir with Christ. Much more than simply knowing about Him, it's truly knowing Him and beginning to 
experience the reality of God in your life. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that radical shift to happen in me. All right. So this morning, reality four, and I kind of condensed it because it was like really long. God speaks and reveals his heart to us. I want to begin with a story. I've shared this story many times. Some of you have heard it more than once, but some of you have never heard it before, and those of you that have get to hear it again. I love this. It's a story that came from the Depression times. A young man saw an ad in the newspaper for a telegraph operator. Now, let me explain for those of you that are under the age of whatever. Telegraph was the thing that happened before telephones. Can you imagine? There was life before phones. Yes, there was. And the way communication happened was through a series of dots and dashes. And those dots and dashes made, there was an, its own language, as it were, almost, it, you know, made words, and you could read, and you could hear, and you could communicate and speak to somebody at a long distance over the telegraph line. So this young man had saw an ad in the paper for becoming a telegraph operator. He hurried to the address of the building and room listed in the ad. When he got there, the room was jammed with applicants and the young man was crestfallen. As he stood there wondering what to do, he heard a steady flow of dots and dashes over the heavy drone of conversation. Suddenly, the young man's eyes lit up. He dashed over to a door marked private private, turned the doorknob and went inside. And in a few minutes, he came out smiling. He had the job. The employer told the rest of the applicants that they could leave. Well, as you might imagine, there was an angry outcry from the group. We demand an explanation, someone shouted. This young man comes in late, bucks the line, and you hire him. The employer paused for a moment and then said, you have your explanation." All you have to do is listen to the dots and dashes. And everyone stopped and listened and couldn't believe what they'd heard. Over and over, the dots and dashes repeated the same message that they'd been repeating for over an hour. If you hear this, come in. The job is yours. If you hear this, come in. The job is yours. If you hear this, come in. The job is yours. What I want to submit to you this morning is this. The Lord is continually speaking to us. The issue is not on His end. The question is, am I listening? So what I want to do for just a few moments here is describe to you some of the ways that God speaks so that you can begin to tune up your hearing to listen to his voice. God speaks. Kind of a foundational scripture here is from John chapter 10 where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. Do you see those words? Knowing, knowing, knowing. 
This is exactly what we're talking about. As the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. Well, how does God speak? What are some of the ways that God speaks? Well, first of all, God speaks through commanding Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is God-breathed. That's where we get the word inspired. He has breathed it into existence. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. One of the first and primary ways in which God speaks to us is right here in His Word. So I want to encourage you to get familiar with this Word. Because it will be life to you. If you want to know what God's purposes, plans, ways, character is like, you will find it here in His Word. Saturate yourself in His Word. All of you have had the experience of reading along in your maybe your daily devotional time and suddenly... A scripture that you've read, maybe you've read it many times, suddenly just leaps off the page and begins to speak to your heart and your life for that moment, for that day, for that situation. That's one of the ways God speaks in His Word. Psalm 119, 105, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It gives you direction it gives light to the path before you now let me give a caution here this does not give you the invitation to do what i would simply call bible roulette (laughs) some people kind of do sort of this mumbo jumbo thing and they you know i'm going to open the bible and point out a verse and one young man did that and got into real trouble He closed his eyes, he opened his Bible, he pointed, he came to Matthew 27, 7, which says, Judas went out and hanged himself. He said, oh my, that didn't work very well, I better try it again. He pointed, came to Luke 10, 37, Jesus said, go go thou and do likewise. He said, this is getting worse. Pointed one more time, came to John 13, 27, which says, what you're about to do, do quickly. (laughs) Bible roulette, not the way of discernment. But saturating yourself in His Word, that is the way that you will learn and grow in hearing His voice. Secondly, There is the compelling spirit. The compelling spirit. Again, back in John, in John 14, Jesus says, all this, and he's speaking to his disciples, all this I've spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Say all things. All things. things. He'll teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Spirit of God. 
illuminates the Word of God and speaks directly to our spirit through what we call prayer. Prayer is not simply talking to God. It is listening to Him to receive instruction from His voice. And learning to hear and discern and understand. And we don't have time this morning to go in an extended conversation and dialogue about what it means to hear the voice of God. But you can learn to hear that voice of the Spirit speaking to you in situation. He is the wonderful Counselor. Let me go back for just one moment. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says... You know, unto us a son is given, unto us unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor. Which in the Net Bible, it translates it, I love this, Extraordinary Strategist. Extraordinary Strategist. If you've never had this experience, let me tell you, it's one of the greatest experiences you'll ever go have. When you're in the middle of a situation in a circumstance that you cannot possibly figure out on your own. It's this Rubik's Cube of circumstances and there is no way out. And you have exhausted your own ability to try to figure it out. And finally in desperation, you cry out, Lord, have mercy, help me, give me wisdom. And he says, well, I've been waiting. And suddenly he comes and he begins to show you, step by step, one of the most exciting things in the world, to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. If you've heard me say it once, you've probably heard me say it a thousand times, but I'm going to say it again. The Spirit of God leads the world, the flesh, and the enemy drive. And there's a really big difference between being driven and being led. And you feel it down in your soul. When you're being driven, you, it just, it's, a, it's a taskmaster, and it's, it, you can just feel the weight of it, and the, it's just, oh, the oppression. But when you're led by the Spirit, it doesn't mean it's going to always be easy rarely is but there is a clarity and a peace and a confidence that comes when we're led the apostles experienced that many times when they came to the border of Mycenae they tried to enter Bithynia but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to later in Acts 22 and now compelled by the spirit I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there they were led by the compelling voice of the Spirit of God. And He'll do the same for us as He did for them. Third way in which God speaks to us is through common sense. Now, those of you that are really in tune this morning will already notice that not only is there an alliteration going on, but a double alliteration, which means there's a double anointing. (laughs) Commanding Scripture, compelling Spirit, Common sense. All right. This, this, do you feel it? All right. Common sense. Common sense. I still remember way back in the early 90s when a pastor who was visiting here spoke. It was on a Sunday night. 
And he spoke a message entitled, Common Sense Isn't So Common Anymore. But the Lord will speak to us with common sense. In Psalm 32, it says this, the Lord says, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Don't be like the horse or mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. He will teach us through our common sense. Through the mind that He has given us which is being transformed by the renewing of our mind as we're saturated in that place of surrender to the Lord, He begins to reprogram even our common sense so that we begin to think and are instructed in ways and we begin to walk in ways that have godly wisdom from above. Paul says, reflect on what I'm saying. The Lord will give you insight into all of this. That insight, that 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 ability from the Lord to, that He comes and He gives us the ability to discern and understand what's going on around us. Common sense. It's not so common anymore, but it's still available to those who will walk in Him. Circumstantial, oops, sorry, counsel of the saints. This is the fourth way in which the Lord speaks. There's five of them, so we're almost there. Commanding Scripture, compelling spirit, common sense, and counsel of the saints. Proverbs gives us some real good common sense about this particular point. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Now, I don't know about you, but because... Most of you are far more spiritual than I am, but there have been times in my life where I have been, it's been very clear to me what I should do. And I really didn't need anybody's advice. I mean, I didn't need any counsel. I was ready to rock and roll. I'm going. Well, a lot of times those things just didn't work out really quite so well. So I've discovered something. I've discovered that counsel, advice, love is, is really helpful. In fact, and some of you who are married might, might be able to resonate with this, I have discovered that frequently the voice of the Holy Spirit has a timber and quality that is remarkably like my wife's. <laughs> because you know what? She can hear from God. And she sees and hears things in different ways and different perspectives than I do and how valuable it is to me to have that in my life. Proverbs 15.22 Plans fail for lack of counsel but with many advisors they succeed. This is why the Lord invites us to experience our life in Christ together with other people. It's why an isolated Christian experience is not only unbiblical, it's dangerous. Because we need one another. We both need and needle. But we do need each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 
Beginning in verse 14, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Now imagine with me for a moment that you are taking a walk and you happen to be near some uh, railroad tracks. I've walked on railroad tracks countless times. You're walking along the railroad tracks and there's a bend in the track and you're walking along and you don't see anything and suddenly into your ear comes the sound of a rumbling. And the ear says to your feet... There's a train coming. It would be really wise to get off of the track. But the eye says, you don't have to listen to the ear. I don't see anything. Just keep on walking. And suddenly you hear the sound of, woo, 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 as the train whistle goes off. Thank you, darling, whoever that is. Just echo along. All right, good. You hear it. I hear it. And the ear says, it would really be good to get off the tracks now. And the eye says, I still don't see anything. Not so smart. The Lord has arranged the body with different parts because we need one another. And the perspectives that each of us can bring uniquely to the whole body so that together we might see and hear and understand and discern his will and purpose. Okay, one more here. Circumstantial signs. Circumstantial signs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. The Lord does arrange Things in our lives. I mean, sometimes it just comes down to an obvious choice. Now, it's not always obvious, and we have to be careful. Because just like with Bible roulette, we can also do sort of circumstantial sign or the fleece thing, you know. Throw out the fleece, and we have the fleeces, and we get fleeced, okay? We have to be careful. I love Nicky Gumbel tells a story about a young man who was trying to decide which of his two girlfriends he should marry. And he had a very strong, you know, this was a British guy with a really strong Cockney accent. So he had these two girlfriends. One was blonde, and her name, she was beautiful. Her name was Sharon. The other girlfriend he had was brunette. She too was beautiful. Her name was Maria. So he was finally so aggravated trying to make the decision between these two girlfriends In desperation, he went to church one day to look for a sign from God. So he prayed and he asked God. And he said, oh God, whom shall I have? And just at that moment, he looked up at the beautiful stained glass window. And there were written these words. A-V-E-M-A-R. Have 
Maria. Well, it generally doesn't work like that. But when we are trusting in the Lord, we can have confidence that he will lead us. See, when I was first a Christian, when I was a young believer, I used to believe that God's will was like a tightrope. And I just had to walk really... And if I just even infinitesimally got off track, I'd fall off the tightrope and splat on the ground. I'd have to get up and start all over again. I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe God's will is a tightrope. I believe it's a nice, big highway. And when I'm trusting in Him, He'll lead me down that highway and I can have confidence in His direction for my life. And i got to steer pretty hard to get off of that highway and down into the ditch when I'm trusting in Him and leaning on Him. All right? You following? You with me? All right. Good. Very quickly then, God speaks in order to bring revelation. He doesn't speak just to give you some good information. He's not in the information giving business. He's in the revelation business. It says in John chapter 8, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He wants to illuminate your life with His revelation. And what does He reveal to us? The first thing He brings revelation of is He brings revelation of Himself. Remember His conversation with the disciples in John chapter 14? Thomas said to Him, Lord, we don't know where You're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, here we are back to knowing, experiencing God. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing His work. The Lord wants to bring a revelation of Himself, His character, who He is. If you're going to have a relationship, you need to know Him. Not just about Him, but to know Him. He wants to reveal to you His purposes. I love this scripture in John 15. This is incredible to me. This is incredible news. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. For everything. Say everything. Everything Everything I learned from the Father I've made known to you. I call you friends, not just servants. Okay. His plans. For I know the plans I have for you. Famous scripture. Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. I'll listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord. God's not playing hide and seek with you. He's not. He's not hiding behind a bush just waiting for you to 
But he does. He wants you to seek after him, and he's there to be found and reveal his plans. And his plans for you are good. And that, what Pastor Russ shared in his testimony earlier, that really is foundational. God is good, and you can trust him. You can trust his plans for you. They may not always look like what you expected. God loves surprises much more than I do. But he loves them. And he wants to surprise you with something above and beyond what you've been expecting or imagining. Finally, his ways. Last scripture here this morning. I love this scripture as well from Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and your thoughts. My thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Oh. How many of you figured out that God's ways aren't yours? Anybody figure that out? Okay, I figured that out a long time ago. All right? I don't know how many times I've gone to the Lord with perfectly put together plans. I had it all figured out and I bring it to him and he says, thank you so much for your input. Now would you like to hear what I'm thinking about? Yes. Okay. God's ways and our ways. They're different, but his ways are better. These are above and beyond. They're, they're, he just—he thinks about stuff all different than we do. But if we trust him, we'll come to trust in his ways and that his ways are good. Following? Are you with me? Yep. All right. A couple of weeks ago, I got an email from Tiffany. Tiffany, you're here. Yep. And she in her time with the Lord, um, he gave her a picture of the bridegroom and the bride. And um, I won't read all of it, but I want you to hear, I won't read you all of the sort of the preliminary parts of what she says here, but I do want to read for you the, the, the sort of poetic piece that she received at the end of that conversation with the Lord, because I think it encapsulates what we're talking about this morning so beautifully. It's called The Bride. With just one glance, his gaze captures her. Fire in his eyes, she cannot turn away. As he can see into her, she can see into him. An unspeakable intimacy, he is all that she sees. As long as their gaze remains locked in one another, they move in sync. A sacred dance that no one else knows. A weapon against the one who would seek to steal, kill, and destroy. Hidden away in their hearts, they are joined as one, beating to the rhythm of heaven. That's what the Lord wants with us, his bride. He, the bridegroom, in that sacred dance of life with him. All right. Now that we are officially in about triple overtime, you guys get extra points today. Yay! Church went triple overtime. 
Oh, it's what you do in the baseball game, in the football game, in the basketball game. Overtime's a good thing. All right? So I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And we are going to close. We're going to be singing Word of God Speak, which was, I think at some point, was the offertory, but didn't become that. So if you could put the words up, go ahead and put them up. Word of God Speak. Nope. Word of God Speak. There they are. All right. And I want you to particularly take note of this. Word of God Speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty. Be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. All of what we've been talking about begins there with being still and knowing. If you're going to be able to listen to God, if you're going to hear from Him, you're going to have to make space in your life. You're going to have to Move some of the clutter in order to create an opportunity for him to speak to you. Otherwise, you're going to be like all of that group of people who were sitting in that room with the dots and dashes were going off and nobody heard it until the one came in and heard. If you hear this, come in. The job is yours. And the Lord has a job, a purpose for your life. Much more than simply occupying space and breathing air. He has a purpose and a destiny and a calling for your life. But you'll never know that until you are still enough to be still and know and listen to His call upon your heart. So the invitation this morning is an invitation to listen to the dots and the dashes of the Lord. It's an invitation to to intimacy, to come with Him, to hear Him, to listen to His voice. If we're going to make this radical shift and experience Him, we're going to have to learn this. So as we sing this song together, we're just going to open up the altar and then I'm going to give a prayer of benediction and then you'll be released. But I would want to invite us to respond this morning to the Lord and if God has been prompting in your heart today maybe it's through the testimonies, through the table through the word today, it's been a very rich and full service, lots of opportunities to hear him and you hear him today, maybe you're just hearing him say, it's time to be still and know would you come to this altar right now if we could stand to our feet, if you're physically able to stand up, I'm just going to open up this altar and I invite you to come and respond this morning as the Lord is prompting you.